It is a joy to have you here today. Great start to December to be in church the first Sunday of the month. Keep it up. (laughs) That's good. We're going to turn in our Bibles to John chapter 14, and we'll be going from John chapter 14 to John chapter 1, back to John chapter 14, back to John chapter 1. So if you can, you can mark both those spots. It won't be quite like a tennis match. We're not going to go back and forth that fast, but uh, it'll be easier. The message this morning is titled, quite simply, God with us. Isn't that an amazing concept? God with us. The incarnation, Jesus stepping into humanity. God with us. Hey, in John chapter 14, uh, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Last week we looked at uh, verses 1, 2, and 3, and and uh, this morning we're going to read ver- those verses again and then read a little bit further. Follow along with me, please, as I read. Let not your heart be troubled. Remember last week we talked about you are responsible for your heart. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's not a transfer of trust. Jesus is God. He said, you already believe in God, so believe in all of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Someday Jesus is going to rule the earth, and mankind will see the first time in history a politician who always only speaks the truth. Won't that be great? Won't that be? My dad was a judge. Well, he was a state legislator and then a judge. And I used to tell politician and judge jokes on him, and he would tell preacher jokes on me. Are there really preacher jokes? And if I go and prepare a place for you, well, I there were many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The, the, the sense of intimacy that God wants with us. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, We do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, read it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Father revealed, verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, Show us the Father, and it suffices. The... It, you know what I mean. I mean I, occasionally, I can't get words out. It is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and have you not yet known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. You want to know what the Father looks like? You want to know what the Father acts like? You want to know the character, nature, and love of the Father? Study Jesus Christ. And then he says, so how can you say, show us the Father? 
Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Verse number four, where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Now, we know the way because we have heard it multiple times. That Jesus was going up to heaven and he's coming again. The scripture very clearly says that. And we trust and believe in him. In verse six, Jesus said, I am the way. The way. Not one of the ways. I am the way way. Now many people are shocked that Christians actually believe Jesus is the only way of salvation. In fact, uh, in April 2015, a very popular rabbi wrote this, heaven, this is his words, not scripture, heaven has an open door policy. Heaven is not a gated community. The righteous of any people and any faith have a place in it. Our actions, not our specific beliefs, determine our faith. Now, that rabbi, he writes some good things that help people, but this is not good, and it will not help people. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, it's the narrow gate. It is a gated community. That's a narrow gate you have to go through. And that rabbi rejects the words of Paul and Peter and John and Jude and Luke and Mark and Matthew and Isaiah, which by the way, are actually the words of the Holy Spirit inspired in those writers. He also rejects the words of Jesus himself. Jesus said, I am the way. So commentator Bruce Barton says, Christians did not invent this claim. No ancient committee decided that uh, Jesus' uniqueness would be a distinctive teaching of Christianity. Like we had our ministry leadership team meeting Wednesday night, and we all agreed that we would have the Life Institute here. It was a decision by the whole group. There was no church group that got together in the early days and said, we're going to make a big deal out of Jesus, and no one can get in our group without Jesus. They didn't do that. Jesus said, I am the way. No one else. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the one that was prophesied that would be born of a woman. We would call his name Emmanuel. He would, his name would be wonderful, counselor, almighty God. He, he is the one, the ancient of days, the, the beloved of the father, the anointed one, the only way of salvation. In fact, when Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he said, you are not saved by works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved, as Paul described in Romans, by believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation because on the inside, you believe that Christ died for your sins. That's salvation. Jesus is the way. He also is the truth. Many so-called spiritual leaders from cult leaders like Jim Jones and David Koresh, 
to religious leaders like Buddha, Muhammad, and Joseph Smith. They all told their followers that they alone knew the real truth and you needed to follow them. But Jesus has three distinctions that set him apart from all other would-be messiahs or religious leaders. The first is that he performed multiple miracles and he fulfilled dozens of prophecies of the Messiah. All through the life of Christ, it says he did this that it could be fulfilled, which was written. And it goes all the way back to all these prophecies. And you could see hundreds and thousands of years before Christ was born, prophecies, and he fulfilled them. The ones that he has not yet fulfilled, he will when he comes again. He didn't just say, follow me. He healed people. He raised the dead. I don't know how many funeral processions I've been in, but quite a few. Kathy and I were at one in Tucson Tuesday evening. But Jesus stopped the process and raised the dead. Wouldn't you love to go to a funeral like that? That'd be great. And he fulfilled the scripture in minute detail, in ways that it seemed like it couldn't fit, because like, The prophecy of his birth. Well, he was going to come out of Egypt. He was going to come from Nazareth. He was going to be born in Bethlehem, which was right. They all were because he exactly fulfilled the scripture. He was born in Bethlehem. He moved to Egypt. He came out of Egypt. He moved to Nazareth. He came out of Nazareth. He fulfilled all of it. So he has the distinction of performing multiple miracles and fulfilling Scripture in detail. The second distinction Jesus has is he gave his life in a horrific sacrifice for us. Many would-be messiahs and leaders, they want their followers to give their lives for them. But Jesus gave his life for his followers. That's distinct. A third distinction is only Jesus came back from the dead. He's the only one. When I was uh, moved to Texas to go to Bible school, I got a job temporarily at a hotel. And I got a job. Things were going well. I was talking to a lady at lunch several times. She was a Buddhist. And we, one day we were talking about the things Buddhism and Christianity have in common. And, and I said, but there's a difference. Christianity has something that Buddha, Buddhism cannot teach. So there's some teachings, you know, about kindness and all that. There's, there's some similarities. But Jesus came back from the dead. He paid the penalty for our sins. And I told her, Buddha didn't do that. Buddha didn't pay for your sins. Buddha didn't go uh, to the grave and then walk out on his own power. And she eventually came to church, got saved, got baptized, and I got fired. They they cut back on the job. I think God put me in that job so she could hear the truth of Scripture and get saved. Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Mark your spot here and go to John 1. In the video we showed earlier, we started with verse 1. But look at John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. 
all things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He is the life. He gives us physical life. You live because Jesus created Adam and Eve so that we could have humanity, and God superintended the biological process that created you. Ancestry.com is a big thing. A lot of people are doing it, and people are having kind of fun time doing that. I actually haven't, but I've heard of siblings that they go and they get the ancestry, and it and they have different mixes. They're born by the same parents in the same house, and they have completely different mixes of the ancestry in them. So if uh, the parents are, you know, partial German, partial English, partial Irish, the kids have all different mixes of that. And it's a different percentage for each kid. God superintended the process that made you unique. You have life because God made it happen. And you have spiritual life because God the Son made it happen. Because Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. And said if you believe and trust in Him, you can have life. So in Him was life. And it was a gift that He gave to us. Look down in verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world... And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But, don't you love that? Amazing transitions in Scripture. But. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's a gift from God. And we exist, you exist, because God wanted you to exist. You have the gifts and abilities that you have because God wanted you to have those gifts and abilities. And He can use you for His honor and His glory if you will love Him, trust Him, serve Him, Follow him. Back in John 14, John 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For from, and from now on, you know him and have seen him. In verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. Now, Philip had actually seen enough, heard enough, experienced enough to realize exactly who Jesus was. But he wanted a little more. Aren't we that way sometimes? We know what the Word says. We have the Spirit inside us affirming what the Word says. But we want a little more. Like Gideon, when the angel said, Gideon, you're going to be my champion. God's going to bring you great deliverance for you. And Gideon said, can I have proof? Can you make this little fleece wet? 
and the ground dry, and then in the morning the fleece was wet, and the ground was dry, and Gideon thought, somebody could have poured water on that fleece. So he said, well, Lord, tomorrow can you make the fleece dry and the ground wet? We always want just a little bit more. And even after all these things, Gideon was nervous. So the angel told him, look, go down into the camp and listen to the enemy. And when he heard the enemy say, God is giving deliverance through Gideon, Gideon finally caught on. Philip says, just just show us a little more. They had enough. And how do we know they had enough? Because Jesus said so. Look at verse 9. Have I been with you so long? And have you not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. See, Jesus said, you have seen enough and known enough. And guess what? So have we. You have seen enough and known enough and experienced enough to trust the Lord on the worst day of your life. He is trustworthy. When you feel all alone, when you feel rejected, when your health is bad, when your brain's not working as clearly as it used to, Okay, for some of you, maybe it never did. No. (laughs) But on, on the worst day of your life, you know enough to trust Him, follow Him, love Him, serve Him. Jesus said that Philip knew enough, and guess what? We have received a lot more than Philip did. We have the written Word of God, and Philip never had that. He had the written Old Testament. We have the whole book. Let's go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Last December, this was our memory verse. And this December, it's our memory verse again. We're connecting it with verse 1. But John 1, 14, this is the Christmas story. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God with us. This is exactly what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself will give us a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son and will call his name, what? Emmanuel, which the New Testament, when it repeats that, says, Emmanuel, the interpretation of that word means what? God with us. Yes, God with us. Isn't that amazing? We call this truth the incarnation because incarnate means in the flesh. And so when the Son of God became man in order to show us the character, nature, and love of the Father and to pay the penalty for our sins on the cross, the eternal Word became the living Word so that we could live with Him forever. 
I'm going away, but I'm coming back and I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. I want you to be with me. Yesterday I told the teens that I had celebrated Christmas in 16 different cities in 8 different states. We moved a lot when I was a kid. And we moved a little as an adult. Kathy and I have lived in a bunch of different cities. Uh, But sometimes in different regions they have different traditions. How many of you have ever been at Santa Fe, New Mexico at Christmas time? Uh, what do they do in Santa Fe? They, they put luminarias around, all around the downtown. And what it is, it's, it's a brown paper sack with sand in it and a candle in it. They light the candle. And so there's a flaming candle in a bag all over the place. I think if you tried to do that in downtown Casa Grande, you'd get arrested. But in downtown Santa Fe, it's part of the celebration. It's different wherever you go. And so sometimes people say, well, you need to have the Christmas spirit. What is that? Well, it means in December you're supposed to be happier and healthier and more satisfied with life because it's Christmas time. It feels so tinsel, right? I mean, that's how we're supposed to be. Have this Christmas spirit. It's kind of funny to me that on Black Friday, the beginning of the Christmas shopping season, they open the doors and people get trampled to death so that other people get... There are fights in stores because the last thing, and they got that Christmas spirit really flowing. And some people focus on family. Raise your hand if you have some pretty crazy family members. Don't point. Just raise your hand. Okay? We, we have some, don't we? I bet we could get, if we went through this room and asked about all the crazy family members, I, I have a, in my family history like a great, 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 great Uncle Jake who was hung as a horse thief. And there's, there's some stuff in the family tree, right? We all got it. Some stuff in there. But I bet in just the family you've known in your lifetime, we could come up with people who've been charged with crimes, served time in prison, people who've been involved in gangs, uh, people who've abandoned their families, who've adopted some very strange philosophies of life. And can you imagine if we got this great, big, dysfunctional family together for Christmas? It wouldn't be very fun. Other people say Christmas is all about giving. What do you think is the busiest day of the year in customer service departments? December 26th. Why? Because all the people go in with the gifts they really didn't want, and they trade it back in. In fact, some people just get so bold to say, listen, give me a gift card, because there's no way you're going to get it right. You see, we know the truth. Christmas isn't about a Christmas spirit. It isn't about family. It isn't about giving. Okay, let me rephrase that. It isn't about family the way most people understand it. It isn't about giving the way most people understand it. It is about family, but it's God's family. 
And it is about giving, but it's God's gift. Jesus is the reason for the season. He's why. Christmas is all about Jesus. He's the Son of God who born into humanity, the one who came to give his life for us. He showed us the character, nature, and love of the Father, and that he died on the cross in our place so that the cross has become a symbol of hope, a symbol of power, a symbol of grace. When before he went on that cross, it was a symbol of torture, of horror, and blood. He changed everything. Our memory verse challenge for December is John 1, verses 1 and 14. And if you can say it with me, say it with me. If you need to read it, read it. Let's say it together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Philip, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jim, come and lead us in a song. We're going to sing in just a minute, uh, I Need Thee Every Hour. Before we sing, I want you to bow your heads. and I want you to just think about God with us. If, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then Jesus Christ is with you. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside you if you have trusted Christ as your Savior. If you've asked him to forgive your sins and save your soul. And he says, all who come to me, I will never cast out. So if you have not done that yet, you can do that today. Ask the Lord to save you and he will. Because he's the Savior. That's who he is. That's what he does. If you have never done that, trust Christ as Savior today. You can come forward, go to the back. We can have somebody show you from the word of God how you can know and follow, trust and follow Jesus. But if you already know Him, how much of your life is wrapped up in Jesus? Do you think about your relationship with Him before you put your shoes on in the morning? Before you head out in the world? Are you thinking and praying, Lord, help me be a witness for you? Help me represent you before you go out into the world? Are you thinking about the lostness of the people around you? Is is the life of Christ making a difference in your life? See, God with us is not just, hey, someday I'm going to be in heaven. It's he's with us now. He's with us here. So I'm going to ask Benjamin to play through this song, one verse, and you just talk to the God who is, who is with you.